Hey folks, on this week's XJ Talk Show, we hear about another round of recalls for the automotive industry, and unfortunately, Jeep didn't dodge the bullet on this one. Nikki G calls into the show, we tell you how to get in on the NoCo Genius Boost giveaway, and Steve gives us another look into the past with Jeep Archives. John shares how ham radio can save lives on this week's Radio Comtech, and Tony gives us an update on his engine swap. Josh shares with us his project of a homemade sunroof control module for his 99 Cherokee on the next XG Talk Show. The XJ Talk Show is for entertainment purposes only. Any advice or information provided on this show should be verified by alternative sources prior to making any changes or modifications to your vehicle. We are not experts, just people that enjoy the Jeep hobby and don't mind talking endlessly about it. P.S. We love you. Hey, stud. It's time for the XJ Talk Show. Now, here's my two favorite boys. Tony and Josh. <laughs> that was perfect synchronization waving. Flash week in G. Recall, recall, recall. <laughs> Baby, you make me wish I had three hands. Is anyone else feeling like this is deja vu? Chrysler Group announced two recalls today that the effect that affects more than a half a million vehicles. This recall affects 381,876 Ram trucks equipped with a 6.7 liter Cummins diesel engine globally. Upgrade wiring harnesses, uh, wiring harness terminals, and replace their fuel heater housings if needed. Citing an investigation of two incidents, Chrysler said in news release that a terminal connector near the fuel heater may be subject to friction-induced corrosion which could lead to overheating and potential fuel leakage. See, people? I keep telling you guys, if you keep rubbing your terminals without some kind of lubrication, you're either going to go blind or catch fire. The recall covers certain 2010 and 2014 Ram 2500 and 3500 pickups and 4500 and 5500 chassis cabs. An estimated 314,704 are in the U.S. alone, just under 60,000 are in Canada, and just under two grand in Mexico, and almost six grand are outside the North America. And if this ante up to the global record number of recalls this year, uh, you know, is not enough for you, well, Jeep throws their chips on the table once again, too. Jeep is recalling an estimated 184,186 2014 Dodge Durango and Jeep Grand Cherokees to update their vehicle's electronic stability control software. Because God forbid you have the wherewithal or basic driving skills to keep your vehicle stable as it goes down the road. Maybe it makes you wonder what's really going on behind the wheel on some of these rigs. A debris cover protecting a certain circuit board may inadvertently disrupt a communication line and disable electronic stability control, Chrysler said. The software upgrade restores proper communication and preserves ESC function. The campaign covers an estimated 132,223 that are in the U.S., uh, just under 10 grand in Canada, about 5 grand in Mexico, and well, 38,000 some odd are outside of the North America. Chrysler said it's unaware of any related injuries or accidents. So let me get this straight. They're going to reprogram some software in a vehicle, and this adjustment in code is going to somehow alter how a debris cover performs? Right. I, I think I'm just going to head down to the dealership here this week and ask some questions, because to me, that sounds a little bit fishy. 
Omex 80A giving away fully built 2014 Jeep Wrangler at SEMA this year. The 2014 Specialty Equipment Market Association, or SEMA show, is quite literally just around the corner. And this year, Omex 80A is giving away a fully loaded 2014 Jeep Wrangler. JK, outfitted with uh, plenty of rugged ridge goodies to make it, capable, uh, make it a capable wheeling rig and a daily driver, too. The, re- the JK will be at the Off-Road Success Center booth number 34,000 at the 2014 SEMA show in Las Vegas on November 6th. That is just around the corner. Visitors at the SEMA show will have a chance to win and drive away in this brand new, fully equipped Anvil Blue 2014 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Rubicon as part of the company's participation in this year's show. 40 semifinalists will be selected over the course of three days, November 4th, 6th, November 4th through the 6th, basically, leading up to the giveaway for the chance to try and start the Jeep using a temporary key they received after entering the contest. That means you guys can enter the contest as long as you're in Vegas between November 4th and 6th. It's kind of like picking up Thor's hammer or pulling Excalibur out of a stone, except the lucky winner will get to drive away in this awesome Jeep. The winning Jeep will be outfitted with Rugged Ridge's new Summit restyling package, which includes the company's XHD modular bumper, grill inserts, and upgraded rear tire carrier, making it not only look good, but also ready to take on any off-road excursion. In addition to the Jeep giveaway at the Off-Road Success Center and uh, the Omex ADA, will host several civilian Jeeps that are part of the company's extensive collection of Jeeps showcasing the brand's history from pre-World War II prototypes, that's right, I said prototypes, through the modern-day JK Wrangler. The Off-Road Success Center will also exhibit a custom 2015 four-door Jeep Wrangler built for SEMA. A committee that, built by SEMA Cares, I'm sorry, a committee dedicated to supporting the education of students pursuing careers in the automotive aftermarket. Pretty cool, if you ask me. The SEMA Cares Jeep is designed to raise awareness about the committee's charitable efforts as it tours the United States. It'll be outfitted with one of Omex ADA's exclusive Rugged Ridge styling, restyling packages and later auctioned as part of SEMA Cares fundraising efforts in 2015. If you guys would like more information about the giveaway and, of course, SEMA, head over to omixada.com and just look for the SEMA Jeep tab, and uh, you guys can head over there and find out all the good information. Hey, if you'd like to submit a story to be aired on This Week in Jeep, or if you have a response to any one of our stories, please give a call or send an email to newstips at xjtalkshow.com. xjtalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to xjtalk.com when you're off-road, too. Using your smartphone, install the Tap a Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. Halloween is almost here, boys and girls. An XJ Talk Show has something special in store for you. Join us Thursday for a special spooky treat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! I mean, totally out of place. Uh, yeah, that guys, that was done on purpose, by the way. No, don't tell them that. <laughs> hey, this is Tim from Jeep Tubes, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. <laughs> God, that was funny. 
Now for some little YouTube love. It's like a YouTube of love. It just uh, sounds like yeah. something you'd buy on Amazon. You bought what? <laughs> well, I'll just make sure you squeeze from the bottom. Yes. Every week, guys, we said. pull a few out of the list. Well, <laughs> every week we pull a few out of the list, four to be exact, and it's in no particular order. Uh, we just like to spread some love, pay some homage, and give a little shout out to those who have subscribed to our YouTube channel. And we do this every single week. Uh, we have well over 600 subscribers, and we're knocking on the door of 200,000 views, guys. So keep up the good work. Told you last week that we're going to have our mouths full with the uh, with the <laughs> name selection this week. And uh, first on the list, Edmundo uh, Edmundo Villa Villa Vazo. Yes, Vazo. I'm sorry, I thought you were done. <laughs> Dylan M Production. Oh, you got an easy one, Paul Paul Della Rocco. And Stephen Volsang. I know that guy. He's French. <laughs> Thank you guys for the subscriptions. Stephen, Make sorry, sure you tell Stephen. a friend and keep it up. <laughs> YouTube.com slash XJ Talk. Be there or be square. Like 191,000 views. Outstanding. I'm tired of knocking on that damn door. You guys get over there and <laughs> watch some YouTubes. Start slacking off at work already. We got some <laughs> YouTube <Yes>. to do. <laughs> Slack more off with us. All well, right, us guys, we are just a couple of knuckleheads. As this you can is tell, exactly you watch, this is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> this show is exactly what I'm talking watch, about. <laughs> ever watch the live show? You know what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, misproduction. We we uh, we miscues. Tony and I uh, try and do everything we can, but sometimes things just don't quite line up. All basically to tell you guys that we're no professionals here. We're just a couple of guys, a couple of knuckleheads. With a couple of microphones and a uh, love for some Jeeps. And so we decided to talk about it endlessly sometimes. And uh, so begins the podcast, as it were. So, um, you know, speaking of knuckleheads, I think we've got a voicemail to share with you guys tonight. Oh, poor Nikki G. Hey, this is Tony. And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line. Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I'll say thanks for playing in the mind of Nikki G. uh, I'm really starting to understand myself better now. (laughs) Uh, I want to thank uh, Steve for his uh, cheap tips on uh, airing down your tires. Um. Sad to say, I'm one of those guys that uses my fingernails. And uh, I was out with some friends. They didn't have anything to air down their tires with, so I loaned them my fingernails. And uh, they haven't returned them yet. So I tried to use a stick. When I went into the auto parts store to buy one, they uh, threw me out again. So I found the fastest way to air your tires down is just take a screwdriver, and just poke a bunch of holes in the side of your tire. And uh, the more holes you put, the faster it airs down. But, uh, I think I need to buy a new compressor so I can't get my tires to air back up. All right, gentlemen, I will uh, chat you later. You guys have a good one. Bye. Well, the trick is you just have to have enough screwdrivers to plug the holes before you oh. before you air back up. <laughs> I was going to say, those are called run-flat tires because you can still run, just those tires will be flat. That's right. You know, I don't know why the uh, why the, the the plastic hub with the rubber band tread. You know, what I'm talking about the military was actually looking at those and oh, some yeah. Humvees. I'm really surprised yeah. those things haven't come out yet. I mean, 
it ain't it ain't a pretty wheel but talk about i mean it, there's no air except what's you know just there at normal air pressure uh in between the little uh veins of the uh, plastic wheel and, uh, and man well, I, can't, they, I can't think of a better off-road uh tire as far as no, uh, no puncture no you don't have to worry about anything except maybe the rubber band coming off well, that and and if you've ever seen like any videos of the prototypes or, or pictures of them, you, you see that they completely conform 100 percent to uh, to the terrain. So you got a big jagged rock instead of you know puncturing the tire or something, it just kind of folds around it. These things would be fantastic rock crawling setups, you know, for a rock crawler rather. Yeah, it, they've been. Uh, I think they've been around for at least 15 years, and I'm really surprised they're not they're not out commercially yet. Uh, it, maybe it has something to do with the. Uh, the plastic that uh, the wear and tear on the plastic. Yeah, I'm not sure. The you know the Department of Transportation uh, won't uh, won't sign off on them saying, well, you know, in a collision or something, the plastic can become a projectile and you might poke your eye out. Yeah, and gas explodes. So mm-hmm. uh, well, let's get to our uh, let's get on something a little more pleasant about uh, getting ourselves out of uh, sticky situations when we have a dead battery. How powerful is the Noco Genius Boost Lithium Jump Starter? We removed the battery from the 6-liter V8 engine and hooked boost directly to the battery case. 400 amps of pure starting power packed into an ultra-safe, mistake-proof lithium jump starter. NOCO Genius Boost. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Oh, looky there. That slick bastard actually has one. <laughs> yes i do guys I'm, I'm holding this up to the camera right now just another reason you guys got to tune into the live show i'm holding up one of the genius boost chargers right now this thing is absolutely 100 percent fully charged hooked it up to my computer and right there status indicator tells me this thing is juiced up ready to go this thing will hold that charge for a year and during that year it can use that charge to jump start 20 different vehicles or the same vehicle 20 times if you uh, so need to uh, you can even do it without the battery in the car, and I'm going to prove that here very soon. Doing my putting together some videos together as we speak, and uh, well, I'm going to demonstrate to you guys just how rugged this thing is, and also just how capable it is as well. So we're going to be giving uh, some of these away here in the very near future. In fact, uh, you guys are going to have to tune in next week during the Amazon You Bought What segment. And uh, you, we're going to announce who is going to pick one of these up for themselves, 100% free. Our first giveaway, uh, one of the Genius Boost chargers, uh, or jump starters, rather, uh, from NOCO. And uh, we're going to be giving one away, and you guys can get your hands on one. Tony, how can they get into the uh, sweepstakes, as it were, into the running for one of these Genius Boost chargers? Well, I thought chargers. I'd mention really quick that that doesn't just uh, jump start your, your vehicle, your Jeep, uh, it also can charge your cell phone. It, it acts as a flashlight, and uh, it has. Uh, oh yeah, everybody, cover your. Oh, that's the U- USBs. I thought he was going to turn the flashlight on. I was going to avert my eyes because the the LEDs are so damn bright. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is that is a very bright light. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's an all around handy thing to have, and uh, you know you're going to need two of them because if you've got a significant other, yeah, there's also disco. Uh, Josh is now flashing the uh, the LEDs. Uh, great emergency thing to stick in the back of uh, the the vehicle if you have a place to, to sit it, like in your Cherokee, might, might be below the door, you wouldn't be able to see. But anyway, um, you're going to want to have two of these things because you know that your significant other, you're going to want her to have one because uh, you can't hook this thing up backwards. Uh, it even has a flashlight on it so you can see where you're hooking it to the ba- battery. 
It has a polarity uh, sensing circuit, and it will tell you if it's hooked up backwards so you don't have to worry about a nasty fire. Uh, it'll just, uh, anybody will be able to use this thing. And uh, it's so small that it'll fit in uh, an oversized pocket. Like we said, we like to say a clown pocket. You know, one of the ones, ones where they, they pull these uh, insanely large items out of. Uh, just a slightly larger pocket. Yeah, there we go. Up next to the cell phone, yeah. you can see that it's it's not much bigger than that Galaxy S5. The 5, right? Yeah, it is the Galaxy S5. And uh, about maybe four times as thick and maybe only about one and maybe 10% bigger. Uh, as far as length and width goes, uh, than the Galaxy S5. comes with a USB cable, means you can plug it into your computer, means you can plug your phone into it if you so need to. Also comes with a cigarette lighter USB adapter as well. So uh, no matter where you are, you can charge this thing up uh, and uh, and have it ready to go. So Genius Boost by NoCo. Guys, get yours. Head over to xjtalk.com right now. Uh, xjtalk.com slash NoCo is uh, the link that you want to use. And that'll take you over to the thread uh, where you have to enter in your worst, favorite, best, whatever you got yeah. story about how you were left stranded with a dead battery. Maybe it's a jump starting a, you know, grandma's vehicle on the side of the freeway one winter night. Uh, maybe you were left stranded and stuck in some bad situation, a bad neighborhood or something like that. We want to hear it. We're going to pick the best story. And that winner is going to get themselves genius boost charger yep. absolutely and we're going to be uh we're, we've got this uh, the the genius boost tied with our amazon you bought what segment so every other week when we do the amazon you bought what we're going to be giving away one of these until uh noco no comes to their senses and says please stop we we're running out of these things because you're giving too many away <laughs> so, you know and i i i gotta make a correction here guys i keep calling these things a charger and and they don't actually charge anything um, well, and so they I can charge a perfect. cell phone. Well, they will charge. Yeah, I guess you, you. That's right. They will charge a cell phone. But really, these things are primarily a jump starter. Yeah, a um, jump box. And they will jump start a six liter diesel engine without a battery in it. Uh, and uh, well, these things are basically will get you out of just about any situation, guys. You need to have one of these. You can win one. And uh, tune in next week to see if you are the lucky winner. Yeah, Josh was mentioning about uh, going over and making a post on xgtalk.com. Uh, again, that's uh, xgtalk.com slash noco, N-O-C-O. And uh, we have a, a, a little example from uh, show contributor, uh, pre-runner1982, John. Uh, this was his story, and this doesn't mean that he's won or he won't win. We just want to give you an example of a, uh, an interesting, colorful story, but any story that we like uh, can win. It was a dark and stormy night. I was deep in the jungle. There was gunfire in the distance and wild animals all around. And the Jeep wouldn't start. I'm either going to get killed or eaten alive. I was in the shit. No, really. I stepped in shit searching for the jumper cables and wouldn't, <laughs> have, to, <laughs> wouldn't have to look for them if I had a no-co booster in the glove box. <laughs> no-co booster keeps you out of the shit. Something tells me I don't think NoCo is going to sign off on that tagline. But, uh, yeah, guys, you, if you, you'd have one of these things, you could have used the flashlight uh, feature on this thing to uh, get yourself, uh, well, uh, missing. Find that a clear path to the front of the Jeep to yes. hook it up. <laughs> exactly. And he's in the jungle, so that had to be in some massive shit that he stepped in. Really? You know, it could have been a pile of elephant dung or something like that. Guys, uh, just to kind of show you, uh, all you got to do is you need a membership 
over there. The membership's right. absolutely free. XJTalk.com slash NoCo. Get your story in. It can be creative. Doesn't have to be true. Yeah. Doesn't have to be true. Doesn't have to be creative. Just has to be interesting to Josh and I because we're going to pick it and uh, we'll let you know. We'll be announcing on the show who the winner is next week and then every right. other week until NoCo says we ain't sending out anymore. Stop it. That's right. Well, and speaking of uh, show contributor, uh, John Prerunner 1982, we've got a radio com tech to share with you guys from him about ham radio saving lives. Let's take a little pause. I I, I did want to put in uh, about the Amazon you bought what a little oh. a little synopsis of what it is. So maybe generate a little more interest in you know them going before next show. So you want to, uh, we'll take a little pause and then you, you want to do your thing about uh, a shortened right. version of the Amazon you bought, what, what it is. All right. And hey, if you guys don't know what Amazon you bought, what is, well, you're going to have to tune in next week. It's a lot of fun. We've got a great relationship set up with Amazon.com. And how this works, guys, is you just head over to xjtalk.com or xjtalkshow.com. You see the Amazon banner right there? You click on that first. It takes you straight to Amazon.com, where you can buy anything majig you want, and well, it's a, we get a little bit of a kickback from it. You're not going to pay a single cent more, not a single penny. But Amazon's agreed to give us a little bit of a kickback from whatever you guys buy. They also give us a list of what you guys are purchasing. We have some fun with that list because you guys throw us some very odd curveballs every now and again, from crotchless panties to bacon salt and even Jeep parts. It all ends up on the list, and it all ends up on the XJ Talk Show. And like Josh was uh, saying earlier, let's get over to our Radio Con Comtech segment, if I can only say it. See, the, the mouth gets out of practice while you're talking, Josh. I just, you know, and then I had some tea, the, the cold. That's what it was. It was the ice. <laughs> and now it's time for some Radio Comtech. Another warrior is on the mesa. This is John, pre-runner 1982, and on today's Radio Comtech segment, we're going to have story time. So everybody gather around and listen closely. July 21st, 2014, beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Bill Eberle, AB0MY, and his wife Mary were hiking in the backcountry when they encountered a team of paramedics rendering aid to a 67-year-old man, Michael Shute of Broomfield, Colorado. He had lost his footing while crossing a stream near the 4th of July campground west of Nederland, Colorado. Shute had struck his head on a boulder and was found unconscious and face down in the water by a good Samaritan who pulled him to safety. The paramedics who had been heading to a youth camp also had stumbled onto the scene. With no cell phone coverage, Eberle put out a distress call on his handheld transceiver he always takes with him when he hikes. Promptly answering his call on a statewide Colorado connection repeater system was Ryan Frederick, KD0TSZ in Colorado Springs. Frederick contacted the Boulder, Colorado Sheriff's Office, and the authorities quickly turned to Scott Whitehead, KA0QPT of Longmont, a Sheriff's Department radio specialist and a 30-year veteran of the Rocky Mountain Rescue Team. Whitehead was able to contact Eberle via the repeater network and the two coordinated equipment and rescue personnel. Crews from Nederland Fire and Rescue and the Rocky Mountain Rescue Team arrived on scene, and Shute was evacuated from from the scene, treated in area hospital, and released. May 4th, 2014. 
Connecticut radio amateur Keith Much, KB1RBI of Torrington, was on Ocean Beach looking out over New London Harbor when he spotted a young girl and her dog in distress in a canoe. The unidentified girl, not wearing a life vest, was attempting to paddle through rough water and increased winds when she got into difficulty. Unable to contact authorities via his cell phone, Much used his handheld transceiver to reach the U.S. Coast Guard, which in turn alerted the nearby passenger ferry to be on the lookout for the girl. In the interim, the canoe capsized. Fortunately, the ferry located the youngster, and the crew tossed her a life ring to cling to until the vessel from the Coast Guard station, New London, arrived to complete her rescue. The dog swam nearly a mile back to land, where coincidentally, Much was able to grab the dog's leash and reunite the dog with the girl and her family. Jim, Jim, sit down. Nikki, Nikki, stop talking. All right, where were we? December 6, 2013, 7 p.m. Cody Fowler and his wife Tina and their two sons, Jacob, N0BMG, and Timmy, were on the way home from Pebble, Colorado. About 46 miles south of US 50 on Copper Gulch Road, Cody noticed the vehicle behind them was no longer in sight. Cody turned around and drove back down the road where he discovered that a rest SUV had slid off into the ditch. Cody could tell there were possibly serious injuries, but no one in the car had a cell phone because the Fowler family had just purchased new ones in Pueblo. None of them were charged or activated and could not call 911. At that point, Cody grabbed his son's ham radio, put out a call telling that he had run across an accident and needed someone to call 911. A man in Alden, K1DDN, stepped in and contacted dispatch. With her cell phone in one hand and ham radio in the other, she kept in touch with both sides to alert them of what was going on. Cody said when he got there, it was about one below, and when he left, it was ten below zero. During the course of the evening, two vehicles stopped to help. Then, 40 minutes later, Colorado State Patrol arrived on scene, followed by Deer Mountain Fire and Rescue and Fremont County Sheriff. The victims would have had to have endured extreme temperatures waiting for emergency services to arrive. Two of the family members were taken to the hospital, and the Fowlers took one of them home. July 2010 Merle Ellison of New Mexico, a member of the Russian Robinson Club, a group of exploration-minded amateur radio operators who go to great lengths to send and receive signals from very remote locations, started having a heart attack on Cherkov Island, about 180 miles southwest of the city of Kodiak. Cherkov Island is only inhabited by animals, so Ellison's life was at stake. His companions, Yuri Sushkin, Yuri Zaruba, and Alexander Kuchnetskov, managed to call for an EMT and float plane by radioing an operator in Siberia. The emergency message then went to Moscow, then California, and on to Alaska. Sushkin said, We never had an emergency like this, and we never had so fast of a response. Ellison was picked up, treated, and taken back to New Mexico. These stories are just examples of uh, where even modern technology fails, and uh, good old ham radio comes through to save the day. And uh, just another example of why it's uh, beneficial to have your ham radio license and uh, know how to use the radio because you never know when you're going to um, come across um, someone who will be in need and that will be the, uh, the only way of getting help. So remember, when all else fails, ham radio. Stories were taken from ARRL.org, Canyon City Daily Record, Alaska Dispatch, and Loudon Times. This is John. Nikki, Nikki, put the glue down. No, Nikki, don't, don't eat the glue. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, great story. And, you know, if you never uh, really thought about, you know, why in the world would I want to do ham radio? Why would I want to go and uh, go for a test and do all this crap? I got a cell phone. 
cell phones are no good especially if you're out there on jerk off island i i, I don't know that this does sounds like to me it sounds like a very slippery place to be josh yeah well you better have a jeep if you're on jerk off island then that way you're not going to run off the road well you got something else to do for the other you know three hours and 58 minutes you're there <laughs> oh I'll leave it to the russians well that's uh that's certainly a, a very creative way of uh, naming an island there um, but uh, nonetheless, I want to thank John Pierre under 1982 for an awesome radio com tech. I also want to give him a big shout out really quickly uh, and thank him for our first story in This Week in Jeep tonight. So, hey, guys, normally uh, we like to, well, plead to you guys to give us some reviews. And uh, instead of doing that, we'd like to share with you guys one of our favorites back from March 27th of this year. We got, uh, well, the title of Best Jeep XJ Talk Show Ever. I like it. I uh, got, got a five-star rating on that. And uh, this one is put in by uh, Woyson. Uh, he says, P.S. I'm American. Um, I'm sure I'm butchering his name. It's probably Woyson or something. Or, or Vase. I have no idea. Anyways. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's by Mustang Cobra. I'd go with that because that's, no, his, that's his screen like name. That yeah, I can uh, read that one. Mustang Cobra. Thank you. Uh, five five star review there from that, and he says the best Jeep talk show out there. I love watching and listening to Tony and Josh give out give out great Jeep tips and tricks. I would recommend and have recommended this show to anyone who enjoys working on wheeling or just driving Jeeps in general. Thanks, guys, and keep it up. Great well, kind we words. Feedback. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we absolutely love the feedback, whether it's uh, positive or constructive criticism, just a pat on the back or saying hello. Uh, help us out, guys. Head over to iTunes and give us that five-star review. Leave us a comment like Mustang Cobra did, and uh, let us know what you guys think of the show. Hey, and one of the reasons why we get five-star reviews, and I think we're up to like 42 comments uh, now there on iTunes, which we really appreciate. But anyway, one of the reasons why we get are from our – because we have such great contributors like what you just heard from John, pre-runner 1982 on xgtalk.com. And uh, this uh, Jeep tip, which is actually a, uh, it's clothed in uh, Jeep archive clothing. And this is uh, taking us back to when Jeeps were new and young, and uh, so was Steve. This is uh, from Steve 4.3, LXJ. <laughs> Under the belt. <laughs> and now for a disclaimer. Jeep tips is for entertainment purposes only. If you choose to follow these tips, man up and take the responsibility for your own actions. If you cannot or you feel that working on Sorry, your Jeep Steve. is beyond your abilities, seek the help or advice of a trained certified mechanic. Don't piss off the help. I don't know. <laughs> Got a tip? We do. It's time for Jeep Tips. Last time on Jeep Archives, we talked about the Jeep station wagon, the forerunner to our beloved Jeep Cherokees, or the Jeep XJ as we might know them. Um, it was a, uh, an innovative thing for its time. And Willys, fresh off of all of the production that they had during World War II, guaranteed pricing, the U.S. government was buying everything they could produce, and now they've got all this money in their pocket, so in 19... 47. Now, this is just a year after they introduced the station wagon. They were still trying to be forward-thinking in their marketing and uh, maintain their niche, or their desired niche, I should say, as a working man's vehicle. They introduced now the Jeep pickup. Now, the Jeep pickup 
came in two uh, basic configurations, two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. And within those, you could get a half-ton and a one-ton. And the one-ton, it would hold a ton. It was pretty stiff in back. Uh, it was not the kind of a vehicle you'd want to take off-roading because uh, the back end would be hopping around everywhere. But uh, it would haul a load. And it was uh, the desire of Willys to try to compete with Dodge. Dodge also fresh off of uh, World War II and selling everything they could make in the way of trucks, had the Dodge Power Wagon, the WM100. And it was a working man's pickup, and uh, it rode like a lumber wagon, and it had power takeoffs that would go to the front and the back, and it was, for all intents and purposes, really a five-quarter ton truck. Uh, they call them ton and a quarters, five quarters, whatever. Um, and it had an eight-foot box on it, which was uncommon for a pickup in that day. Willys chose to use a six-foot box, which was the standard size in a pickup. You could buy a Dodge pickup. You could buy a Ford pickup. Uh, you could buy a GMC pickup and uh, probably a few others that were very minor players in the at the time. They all had rounded fenders. They had a four-foot wide, six-foot long box on the back, and most pickups in this time period came in half-ton only. So Willys decided to up that a little bit, and they would offer one not only in four-wheel drive, but they would also offer one that would haul a ton in that same little four-by-six box. And so to do this, they had a couple of uh, rear ends that were available at, at first. The only one you could get was the uh, Timken 51540. And uh, what this was, uh, everybody knows what Timken is. If you've been in the four-wheel drive arena for very long, everybody starts talking about the Timken deuce and a half axles and all that kind of stuff to put in buggies and and uh, you can see dozens and dozens of YouTube videos with these kind of axles in uh, tube buggies to Jeeps to whatever. But Timken didn't always make this kind of an axle. They, uh, at this time, they were still pretty old school in their axles. And the uh, Timken 51540 was an axle that used, again, tapered axle shafts. Uh, and the uh, thing about these is they were really using Model T technology. Now, if you've ever seen a Model T rear end or a Model A rear end or uh, any of those older ends, they're basically a two-piece housing. They bolt up in the middle. And uh, one piece uh, has the pinion bearings and so forth, and then the other just bolts onto the side of it. And so when you assemble these things, you assemble them from the side not through the back like we would normally do uh, with a Spicer axle, for instance. These were old school. They looked funky. Absolutely no upgrades for them. Uh, they were discontinued in 1950, and they went to the Dana 53. And in the uh, 
uh, half-ton versions, you would get a Dana 44 rear end. Again, we're talking about tapered axles here. They didn't get away from those tapered axles for quite a while. In fact, uh, Jeep was still using tapered axles clear up to 19, or actually through 1971. So, uh, they were very, very slow to abandon this sort of technology, even though they were ahead of the game in some others. Now, the uh, Jeep pickup used the same windshield, dashboard, seats, uh, doors, uh, fenders, hood, and everything as the Jeep station wagon. It's just that it was a single-seat cab, bench seat, and it would have a uh, little 4x6 pickup box on the back of it, and it had a tailgate that said Willys. The uh, other thing about these is they're still using the same kind of running gear that they've been using and everything else. We're talking about the 134 cubic inch Go Devil uh, four-cylinder L-head engine with a T90 transmission, Spicer 18 transfer case, that's if you have the four-wheel drive version, and uh, this is uh, just where their technology was. They were trying to reuse all of the parts they could. Had the same front end as the Jeep station wagon, Dana 25. If you unbolted them and put them side by side, you couldn't tell a difference. So uh, they were conserving their parts. And I want you to notice something here. And this is typical of Jeep for a long time and is still somewhat typical of them even today. And that is that uh, they didn't build a lot of this themselves. They built their own engines, but that was it. They didn't build their transmissions. The T stands for Transmission 190 is a designation that comes from Borg Warner. Borg Warner is a transmission company, uh, among other things that uh, makes made a lot of transmissions in the day, and it was a uh, style that uh, was nothing new. It had a non-synchronous first gear in it, uh, so you had to learn how to double clutch, and otherwise you didn't get it in gear if you were moving. And uh, uh, it uh, really didn't have any advanced technology on it. The uh, transfer case is a Spicer. 18. That's from uh, a company that was Spicer at the time. They later changed the uh, uh, name to Spicer Dana, and then now we just know it as Dana. So uh, they sourced out the transfer case. The front end, Spicer 25, Dana 25. Uh, we use, usually use uh, the word Dana more often now for uh, axles, even if they were called Spicer at the time. Uh, rear end was either a Timken or a Dana, and uh, so they didn't make a lot. All they were making was the frames, the engines, stamping the sheet metal, got some seats, and uh, they made the steering box, and uh, they put it in. Uh, and, and the steering box wasn't anything to write home about. It was kind of sloppy. Uh, if you've ever had a sloppy steering wheel, quote-unquote, um, where you're kind of hurting your vehicle down the road by, by turning the wheel back and forth at least an eighth of a turn, that's the kind of steering box they had. And if you lost your speedometer, these uh, Dana 18, uh, or Spicer 18 transfer cases 
were an offset transfer case. That means that both of the drive shafts came out of the offset and uh, all the power went through an intermediate gear, uh, either in high range or low range. And these intermediate gears had roller bearings in them that were not exactly tight. And uh, when you drove down the road, they'd whine. And you could tell exactly how fast you were going by the transfer case whine. And it's just the way it was. Uh, and they stuck with that design for a long time. In 1950, they had the same design change on the front as the, uh, in the grill as the station wagons. They had the same fenders. They uh, uh, had the same engines that the station wagons had. And they had a run that uh, went clear up to 1965. So that gave them an 18-year run on these pickups. Uh, 1965 is uh, pretty late for a pickup that looks like it should have come out of the 40s. And, but they still sold quite a few of them. They sold 200,000 of these things. And uh, that's still a pretty fair run on pickups. And they had that boxy look that nobody else had. None of the Fords, GMCs. Uh, Dodges had that kind of a look. They all had the rounded fenders clear up into uh, the early 60s. And so it was unique, just like the Jeep station wagon was. And they stuck with it for a long time, and it worked for them. They were not a major player, a major uh, car company, as we would think of the big three car companies today. But they were holding their own, and it was not the cars they started out with, it was the Jeeps that uh, allowed this company to progress and to stay in business. Well, some great info from Steve. Very interesting uh, information from Steve. And uh, boy, who knows what the hell Josh is doing over there. Let's take a closer look. <laughs> I was messing around with multiple cameras. Figured we'd uh, try and put up some pictures. I, I don't know if uh, Tony was controlling the cameras over there. Or whatnot, but I was uh, trying to show. I was looking up. I didn't even know Timken made axles back in the day. I thought so Timken was, kind of, was something relatively new. I had no idea it went back that far. I mean, uh, yeah, Tim and Tim right. and Ken must be dead by now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tim's Ken, uh, they're still kicking. No, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, these these the, uh, all these old ads from you know the '40s and '50s of you know Timken axles and stuff like that. Really cool nostalgia, guys. You want to uh, take a, a little blast from the past. You know, just type in some of that stuff, Timken Axle, and, and check out that, that 65 Jeep pickup. Uh, a lot of cool images on that. And there's still some pristine ones uh, around on the road, uh, but uh, definitely some eye candy, guys. Uh, you want to uh, well, kill some time, and uh, you know, you've already uh, looked at all of our YouTube videos, and uh, you're all <laughs> caught up with the podcast. Well, yeah, do some Google searching for some old Jeep stuff. Hey, Josh, what's going on? Yeah, I'm just sitting here by the fire waiting for you to show up and talk about that fancy new engine that you uh, put in your Jeep here recently. Uh, we all know that uh, you were doing a motor swap here, and uh, you were trying to get it done in one single weekend. Did that happen? Well, that was the uh, the one that's in there now that's dead. We we were trying to do that in one day. and oh, wow. uh, And we accomplished that, but it didn't run too well because uh, we had some uh, mismatched uh, um, hydraulic lifters. They weren't all the same size. Some were a little shorter and longer than others. So 
had to leave it there and matt had to pull the uh the cam and uh, we had to order some more lifters actually more lifters another cam and then he had to do a bunch of extra work to get it going so now we fast forward about uh, two years and uh, i'm driving along home uh kicking it down into passing gear coming off of the flyover from uh, one highway to the other and it stops giving me any power and oh. I give it a little pedal and it goes boom and there's a huge plume of white smoke coming oh. out of the back and I coast literally coast a good quarter mile off the highway there's a good reason for driving fast kids you coast further yeah. <laughs> I coasted probably a good quarter mile off the, off the freeway onto the feeder the three-lane feeder and turned into the uh uh what is it samuel adams uh jeep chrysler dealership and came to rest just in front of those snooty arrogant little bastard 2014 jeep cherokees oh <laughs> and they they looked on me in disdain because they knew they've listened to the show and they knew what i've been saying about them Try to pay attention. This is good stuff, Josh. Yeah, I'm just playing with my <laughs> zombie hunting permit. <laughs> anyway, so uh, went up to uh, went up to Matt's shop. Uh, had the had the Jeep towed up there uh, since it was uh, not going to run on its own. Uh, had it towed up to Matt's shop in. Uh, um, it's not Conroe. It's up around Conroe. It's one of those little uh, uh-huh. little little uh, towns up there. Cut and shoot. I think I, don't, I can't remember. No, Cleveland. That's where it is. It's in Cleveland, Cleveland, Texas. Anyway, I uh, went up there on a Friday and uh, took a day off, went up there on a Friday, got it towed up by AAA uh, for no extra charge. It was a 60-mile tow, and uh, there were tow, driver, uh, tow truck driver clamoring to be the ones that could go drive an hour and a half to take my Jeep up there. So I had to, actually, it wasn't too bad. I had to wait a little longer to get a tow truck driver there, but they finally showed up. When, now, see, when, when you retell this story to your grandkids, you need to, you know, kind of interject that they were clamoring to be the first ones to tow the XJ Talk Cherokee uh, to its destination uh, not, because of your celebrity its, status. Yes, not its you, final resting place, but to its destination. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, have to put that little disclaimer in there. Right, right. So what we what we planned on doing was we had a uh, uh, the original engine had 175,000 miles on it, but it, I had some overheating issues and had some uh, some weirdness going on, and I thought you know hey I got the money, why don't I go ahead and build a new better uh, engine because uh, we have the technology we can do it type thing, and that didn't work out too well because now that engine is dead. We're gonna find out why. More than likely it's blown a head gasket, but I need to find out why it blew that head gasket. Um, certainly wasn't running hot at the time. Uh, so something catastrophic must have occurred. Maybe a freeze plug uh, popped out or something that, that, that caused it to, um, to, to die all of a sudden. Cause I watched those gauges like a hawk at any mm-hmm. rate. So the, the goal for last Friday was to get the Jeep up there, uh, get the old engine, uh, which Matt had already started uh, breaking down and had taken the head up to be, uh, milled and, uh, basically redone, uh, three angle valve, uh, job, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, the idea was to get the engine back together with new rings, new rod bearings, hone the cylinders and, uh, get the head on there. And that's what we did. We accomplished that. I was there until about 1030 at night. Uh, we didn't work on the engine hundred percent of the time. You know, we had to go get the head. We had to, had to eat lunch. Uh, Matt was doing things with his new, uh, F350 diesel, uh oh, truck I, I saw i saw pictures of did that. you see that yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, he's got he got himself a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, it's uh, boy, it's it's. I, I told him when we were we were trying to get it jump started because uh, he had the brakes done, and it wouldn't wouldn't start up. I didn't realize. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I didn't. He, I think he would need two of those because I didn't realize that because it's such a high compression engine, you have to have two like eight hundred cold cranking amp batteries for a diesel. So he had yeah. two diesels in there. I mean, two, two diesels. That would be that'd be fine. Yeah, it's a big uh, enough truck, I tell you. He had uh, two batteries in there, so he had a jump box on one, and we had the uh, the XJ tied to the other battery. And uh, anyway, while we, while we were there, I was looking on the inside of that thing, and I told him, I said, "Get you a couple of girls, and you got a mobile brothel. You could just drive this thing around." Yeah, and really, <laughs> there is so much room in that thing. And the interior is, is actually quite nice looking. So, yeah, he got a, a nice little uh, a nice little truck there. And a little more of a side note, he's looking at a turbo for it. Oh, jeez, three well, grand, the- three grand for the turbo to put on this well, thing. Now we spend three grand on a lift kit, so you know, hey, I wouldn't. <laughs> not at, not all at one time. I'll do that over a period of years. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, spend too I much for the we, lift. Yeah, Spend too much for the lift kit, then buy all these other parts to put it in there and not think about how much the total cost really is. That's how I do it. Yeah, when I say we, I mean some of us uh, Jeepers with deeper pockets, and not including me. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, okay, so, Rubicon um, Express so the, stuff. The old engine that blew a bunch of uh, white smoke on the freeway and, and basically had left you stranded um, was still at Matt's shop. You drove up there because the current engine that you have in there now, which Negative. was the one that replaced Negative. that. Nope, nope. Yeah. Nope, completely. Nope. Yeah. So the engine that I had in there, the original engine, the 98 engine, was was doing fine, except it was running hot, and it would make some weird noises every so often. Uh, not necessarily the engine itself, but something associated with the running engine. So we took that out, put this 95 engine in with the crane cam, uh, uh, 2,000-something he- uh, uh, intake, blah, 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 blah. So that's the one, the one I spent over two grand on, Two years ago, that's the one that blew up here recently that has oh. a problem. Stop running. And now we're putting the original engine back in it after freshening it up. And its current state is re-ringed, new rod bearings, completely redone head, and the head was milled slightly. And all, all that needs to be done now is all the covers, the oil pump, and etc. put on there. And that's what I'm going to go do Saturday. All right. And then hopefully the following uh, Friday, I've uh, scheduled for a day off. And the following Friday, because Matt has to, uh, Matt gets to be off every other Friday. And oh, okay. uh, so the, the, not this, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, hopefully we will be in the position to put the uh, new old engine back in and take out the, the new engine, which is older than the original old engine. Yeah. <laughs> We have engine A that came with the Jeep, and we have engine B that's in there now. We're going to take B out, put A back in, refreshed. Kind of a, I think as much, yeah, kind of like a seventy-five percent rebuild, I guess. Well, we looked at it, and there was no ridge on the uh, on the cylinder. You know, for where the piston goes up and down, you feel for a ridge at the top of the top of each cylinder to see if the, no, there was no reason to have to do anything, uh, have it bored. Because it was nice and clean, so just a nice hone and standard size uh, rings, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, this. We're going to use the same cam. Uh, I think the cam may have been part of the problem 
with this uh, this build, trying to use the crane cam. Mm. I, I don't know for sure, and we will be finding out more about this as we move along and see exactly what happened to this engine. We're not going to drag this thing out. We're going to tear it down as soon as we have the ability to do so. Uh, I'll make another trip over there, up there just to do it, because I want to know what happened to this uh, over yeah. $2,000 engine. Oh, well, the I'm nice sure thing of- is, is that I'm actually going to have full, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, full brown dog motor mounts now because i got a i got a a set of those flexible mounts that go on the uh, the unibody and already had the i already had the massive ones that go on the uh, the block itself so i'll have nice yellow both sides motor mounts on uh, on those things with this newer newer engine engine a engine b well I know there's a lot of people out there that have, uh, or may even be in the midst of, of, you know, have a project engine in the garage that they're, maybe they're stroking, or maybe they're just rebuilding a new four liter to put, uh, you know, a, a new shiny power plant uh, in an older, older Jeep, um, that are going to be looking forward to, to your, your findings, uh, to, you know, hear about what, what, what maybe could have happened, at least, at least some theories, some speculations, or maybe some cold, hard proof with, uh, with some pictures from a bore scope or, uh, or once you guys pull off a head or something like that. And, oh, we're going to tear it down. Kind of, I want to see. I mean, there's no reason. I think at this point, those rings are gone. Need to look and see what the cylinders, uh, how the cinders look. Um, my goal is is not only to find out what's going on with this this uh, engine that's currently in the uh, the 98, which is a 95 model uh, engine, is but also to rebuild it and uh, have it sitting there ready. Uh, I want to know. Uh, I'm hoping that what happened we can identify and perhaps uh not have happen again it may have just been one of those weird circumstances uh that that just occurred and uh, it makes you nervous but how many 4.0s have you blown up josh i mean i was just Uh, driving it i wasn't including the one that's in my jeep now um let's see carry the two divide by the square root of zero yeah so, so I can't help, but I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't built by somebody that didn't know how, and it, it's, it's not like it wasn't, uh, gone through completely magnafluxed both block and head, uh, by, uh, by the shop there up in Conroe. So, uh, anxious to look and see what it is. We haven't yet because the, the, it's a daily driver. Uh, it's a, it's hurting me not having that vehicle. It's hurting the family because we have uh, four people that need to get around and we only have two vehicles. Uh, so uh, the the emphasis is on getting the 98 back up and running so we can have more vehicles. So uh, and also too, we're looking at another vehicle uh, here to purchase uh, uh, fairly shortly. So uh, all in all, we'll be we'll be sitting better after all this. Well, cool, and I'm I'm definitely one of the people that's looking forward to uh, the findings, just because that's the gearhead in me. I'm 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 curious to see what's uh, what's been going on with that motor. Well, in my own Jeep world, I've been doing some electrical work, actually um, put together um, a little something to replace a little something on my Jeep. Now, um, some of you guys might know, and for, the, for our new listeners, you might not, my, my 99 Cherokee uh, came with a sunroof. It wasn't a factory-installed sunroof because, well, they didn't make the, the Cherokees with a sunroof. This was a dealership option. Uh, but me being the third owner of this Jeep, um, this is a fairly decently worked sunroof. That was until this last year or so, and and it's a little bit wonky. The switches I think are, are starting to go out. Um, maybe some relays in, in the uh, in this in the control module are going out. Uh, in any case, it has actually been stuck open before, and now it's stuck closed, but with just a little bit of a gap. And uh, now that the rainy season has hit, I wouldn't mind having the ability to park my Jeep outside if I need to. 
and uh, and and you know not have the seat get soaking wet. So I uh, turned to my electronic roots and I built myself a sunroof module relay pack myself. Um, basically, what this hodgepodge of wires and relays is going to do is take the place of my current sunroof module. Now, there's just one motor in the sunroof, and there's only two wires that come out of that sunroof. And that motor has to go forwards, and it has to go backwards. And so how this works is the polarity switches. And so what is deposited on the motor in one direction becomes the negative on the motor in the opposite direction. So... Hence the uh, the two relays you know, for open for close and two for open. Um, each one needs to you know have polarity going one way and polarity going the other way. Uh, and so I'm going to take the leads from uh, the current power that's coming from the fuse box up to the control module, uh, ground the whole thing, and all these wires here end up going to the motor itself. They'll actually end up getting paired up, and uh, and this will basically all control my sunroof. Now, when I said the switches might be going out, it's true. Um, there's a little four-way switch there, and it's, it's called ASC. It's made by a company called Cherry, and the ASC stands for Automatic Sunroof Close. And the way this thing was hooked up is that when the module sees the loss of power from the ignition, the sunroof automatically closes. Um, I'm going to be eliminating that because I don't have the fancy technology and uh, the circuit building uh, expertise to put together that kind of thing. Basically, I just want it to work. And so I went up and picked some up a couple, a little bag of momentary switches from Radio Shack. Yeah, this is, you know, it's like five or six bucks, something like that. And I only need two of these. I'll have one of the red ones and one of the black ones. And uh, and these will replace the sunroof, the four-way sunroof switch that's in uh, in the Jeep right now. I'll make a little ABS panel and screw it in a place, and you'll never know anything was different other than it being, well, some odd-looking switches that typically don't belong in a in a G, in a vehicle. So um, I, you know, I thought about maybe trying to rob a window switch from another Cherokee and, and do something like that. But the thing is, is they're really, really deep. And there's not a lot of room between the headliner where it's at and the, the roof of the Jeep uh, for that switch to sit in there and not risk maybe shorting the leads out on the body or something like that. So uh, these switches will come in handy. They're shallow enough. Uh, and they stick out far enough to where, you know, it's not going to be too out of place. They should be safe. And it'll all hook up into into this system, and uh, well, hopefully, uh, I'll be if I know what I'm doing, and I, geez, I hope I do by this point. Uh, I'll have a sunroof that works normally, and uh, and of course won't leak when I park it outside during the rainy season. Well, there's always hope for that. Uh, and I was doing a quick look uh, look up on uh, the internet, the interwebs, uh, to see. I, I believe that the '99, or at least the late model uh, XJs. Uh, did come with a factory sunroof or moonroof, depending on what you want to call it. Yours may not be, but uh, but then again, it might because they did come with them. And the reason why I I, I thought about looking that up was, uh, and I've mentioned this before in the uh, in the movie Castaway, I believe that was the name of it. Tom Hanks drove a blue XJ, and it had a sunroof on it. It was actually a lot like mine, and I thought that mine, because it was on the showroom floor and had the upcountry package and blah, 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 all this yeah. stuff, that I had every option known to man except for maybe leather seats. And I was surprised to see that there's Hanks driving a Cherokee around with a sunroof. Now, um. <laughs> yeah. now from what I was just looking at some of the, the forums that, that came up about the sunroof, it seems they all leak. So I guess I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm lucky from that respect, <laughs> in, in as much as I can't see out from uh, from the top. 
but then again, I don't have to get worry about getting wet either. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, you know, in some regards, I kind of wish that the sunroof wasn't there because I really do like the uh, like the idea of a ZJ overhead console. Um, you know, having the uh, the you know the temp and the and the um, the compass and stuff, and and of course the places for things like garage door openers and sunglasses and and, and stuff like that. Well, you know, it's <laughs> the sunroof really is quite nice though during the summer now granted i only get three months to use it during the year but nonetheless i I like it you know being able to slide back the cloth and and uh and have light coming through even if i don't have the sunroof open so uh it's it's definitely a nice addition but you know it's stuff like this i mean and this thing took me like an hour to put together and build you know measuring all the wires because it looked everything is all you know kind of uh you know put together proper and it's it's supposed to be compact as much as four relays that are reversing polarity can be um, and, uh, uh, and be able to fit up into the, be between the headliner and the, and the actual, uh, roof of the Jeep. Um, but you know, it's a lot of work and I don't like to have to go through this sort of stuff. I like things to work. Now I've actually priced out these, um, these replacement sunroof control modules from this cherry company or whatever it is. And, um, uh, they're a little expensive. I would rather, you know, spend an hour of my time oh, yeah. and some parts I had around the garage to build one of these than spend 150 bucks on a control module to make things work the way that they they do. Well, those I things are like those myself. those relays are like eight bucks a piece or six dollars a piece. So that's a hell of a lot I've, cheaper, even with that many of them. I've got a bunch of these things laying around. So I mean, this literally was spare parts mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. And you know, I had the wire, I had the relays, I had the connectors, and all that stuff. The stuff I have in the garage. So hey, why not? Well, that was fun, Josh. I appreciate uh, the uh, the segments, the radio com tech. Uh, always interesting to hear how ham radio operators are going out there using their uh, their hobby to help people, much like what Jeep Jeepers do for each other whenever they're off road. So uh, I think the two go really uh, hand in hand. And uh, if you have a, a, a few moments, go back and listen to our Skywarn interview uh, oh, that yeah. uh, that I did maybe a year and a half, maybe two years ago where we spoke with uh, a actual NOAA weather uh, person uh, and uh, – uh, oh, I'm not going to butcher her name. Uh, I, I'm a friend with her on Facebook, and uh, I just can't quite place it right now. But go back and listen to that. We had her and a representative uh, from uh, Ham Radio, and it was very interesting. And maybe you want to go out there and help uh, be a sky spotter with uh, Skywarn. Well, big thanks to John Pre-Runner 1982 for uh, this week's first story in This Week in Jeep. Uh, also, big thanks to Steve 4.3 LXJ for another Jeep archive. Uh, we keep climbing up that chronological ladder. Uh, one of these days, we might actually get to the Cherokees. That's going to be a cool day. Yeah. I want to big shout out to Hidden Wounds XJ, friend of the show. Guys, please head over to there uh, to their Facebook page or hiddenwoundsxj.com and, uh, and see what they're doing. They're doing some good stuff, uh, and they're trying to raise some money for a good cause. Uh, help them out. Buy a T-shirt. Buy some stickers. Guys, Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com iTunes, YouTube, we are all over the interwebs. Please head over to xjtalk.com or xjtalkshow.com and, well, go ahead and start cruising around. It's the best site on the web, guys, xjtalk.com. you got to check it out. Don't forget about our uh, Genius Boost giveaway from uh, NOCO. Uh, doing that on the Amazon You Bought What, uh, which is next week. And you need to go over to xjtalk.com slash noco. That's N-O-C-O. You can see it right there on the screen in front of you if you're uh, watching the live show or the recorded YouTube. And uh, go over there and give us your best dead battery story. 
Doesn't have to be true. Doesn't have to be interesting. Just uh, has to be picked by Josh and I, and your name will be read next week during the Amazon You Bought What segment and a brand new, freshly polished, uh, not charged, you'll have to do it your own damn self, but freshly polished. Yes. Thank you, Vanna. And uh, it will be on your way and you'll be enjoying your own little uh, (laughs) boost party very soon. (laughs) You guys have a great Jeep week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.